Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week, we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast-famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's episode, we have a coaching call with Shelly, who works in the music industry, which can be a tough gig right now, but Shelly is making it work. There's just a small problem with her principal business, booking artists into venues. Getting clients to understand the value Shelly brings to the table is proving far more difficult than she originally imagined. But after digging a bit deeper, Clay and I realized that this is probably just a simple messaging problem, a common pitfall in marketing. If you, like Shelly, want to get your clients to say yes more quickly with less hesitation, then stay tuned because like Shelly, you might just need to tweak your messaging. We'll get into it right after this quick break. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. I'm Preston Lee. I'm joined here with my good friend, Clay Mosley. Hey, Clay, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Good to hear from you again. It's been a little while. We took a bit of a break for the holidays, (laughs) but it's nice to hear your voice again. Joining us today also is Shelly calling in. Hi, Shelly. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, it's been fun. We actually have met Shelly before. She's part of our challenge that you may have heard us talking about on previous episodes of the show where we're doing a recurring re- a five-day recurring revenue challenge. So it's cool. We already know a little bit about Shelly's business and I'm excited to dive in a bit more today. In fact, let's just let's just start it off. Let's hear, Shelly, can you tell us a little bit about what you do, what your business is, and, and what you're working on right now? Well, I am the um, founder of a business I'm calling Hurley Creative Collective. I spent the last 20 years of my career as a concert promoter I found out of January of 2020 that they were discontinuing that concert series. And as soon as I let the artists that I work with know that I was leaving the university that I worked with, they several of them asked me to come work with them and do different things. So I'm now working as we offer booking, booking services for these artists. I help book them into venues across the country. I work with venues to help them identify artists that they want to book that are not on my roster and help them negotiate those plans. And then I help with event marketing for those venues and the artists to try to help both of them grow. I love this for a couple of reasons because uh, I actually used to work in the music industry. And so I did... that's so cool. Yeah, I did a lot of like the marketing side, but obviously I worked very closely with the events people and just you know, going to shows and helping set up shows and all. I was very much on the ground with that. So that's a fun industry for me to talk about. I don't do a ton of that anymore. Or I don't do any of it anymore. I like it for a different reason. (laughs) And then, and Clay, what's your reason? 
<laughs> well, I mean, I I don't know anything about music. <laughs> like so, like I I was I was the kid that I, or the the college student who the only music experience I have is going to music appreciation, and even then, I only showed up for exams, and that was it. <laughs> you didn't really appreciate so, it. No, I right. have no yeah. musical <laughs> talent whatsoever. The only musical experience I have is I love to listen to Spotify. However, I do love it. I love this because it is something different from what we've had on the show. Yes. I was going to say that that too. Yeah. We get a lot of designers, writers, marketers even. And Shelly obviously is is a marketer to some extent. But but yeah, it's definitely definitely way different than what we've had before. So this is great. Shelly, let's talk a little bit about, you know, listeners of the show know that all of our guests, by the way, if you want to come on the show, like Shelly here, Shelly visited freelancetofounder.com. There was a little sign-up process. If you want to be on the show, like Shelly, have a free coaching call with me and Clay. There's no strings attached. You can visit freelancetofounder.com and book your show as well. We'll chat with you for you know 45 minutes or so about your business and how to scale it. But when you sign up, you do fill out a questionnaire that asks, on a scale of one to 10, where would you put yourself on You know, one being a freelancer, 10 being a founder of your company? And Shelly, when you filled that out, you put that you were currently maybe a three. Yes. Uh, and so we'll have you explain in just a moment why you selected that and that you wanted to get maybe in the next six to 12 months closer to a six. So let's start off. Why, why would you say you're a three on, on the freelancer to founder scale? Well, I realized in the past few months, even since I started this business back in March, that there's just more work coming my way than I can possibly handle myself. Like it's Mm. just constantly coming at me. So I've already kind of put some feelers out to some other people in the industry that I know and have worked with before about would they want to come on and help me with sales calls or develop with the artist or something just to take some of the burden off of me so that it's not all on me at one time. But I'm not looking to hire employees necessarily, just independent contractors. Mm, Yeah. So I've already kind of started that process, but I'm certainly not at a point where that is working and functioning the way it should yet. Okay. So I'm curious, like what percentage of your time are you spending administratively in your business, like running your business versus doing the on the ground nitty gritty work, the day-to-day work of your business, would you say? I mean, right now I've had so many new opportunities come and fall in my lap. I'm probably at 75% of administrative duties. And twenty five percent sales calls, nitty gritty. Oh wow! Which is what I need. What I need to change. It's good that you recognize it, that. <laughs> a, lot, yeah, a lot of people I mean, don't. Just, a lot of people don't. Well, and I'm used to like I've worked with a university for the past twenty years. And I'm used to saying, "Hey guys, I'm I'm drowning over here. Someone come and help me." And I can get mm, a student, yeah. or I could get someone else. And now being on as an independent, I I don't have that, but I could. If I if I pursued that way, so I'm trying to find the best way to move forward. Right. I was actually I was actually going to say it's a good thing that you're working more on administrative stuff, but I guess I'm I'm assuming that that means that someone else is doing the day to day tasks. But are what is what you're saying is that you're so swamped with the administrative stuff that the day to day stuff's falling through the cracks. Yes. Okay. That's, yeah, that makes that's sense. where I am. Yeah. Well, and you know, I have 20 years of experience as a promoter. So I have mm-hmm. a lot of relationships in the business, but I don't feel like I'm able to take full advantage of those because I'm so stuck dealing with stuff just as it comes to me. I can't plan. Yeah. This is really interesting because on the show, you know, maybe you've heard on previous episodes, 
listeners who have listened to a lot of episodes have heard this for sure. We talk about you can either keep doing your craft and hire someone to run your business, or you have to run your business and hire people to do the craft. I'm curious which direction you might lean if you had to pick, because it sounds like you might be at that crossroads in your business. You know, do do you turn over the the craft that you've done for 20 years to someone else? Or do you bring on someone for the business development, the sales, the organization, the communication, that kind of thing? I, I think I can continue in a lot of the craft work, but mentor others to do the rest. Like I can still keep a handle on it, but I think I can em- empower others to kind of take over some of the some of the sales calls because there's, you know, I, I presented in the Midwest area. So most of the other venues and organizers, managers that I know are in the Midwest area. So if I'm calling venues on the East Coast or the West Coast, I'm cold calling them anyway. So I could have someone else that I trust make those calls and defer to me when necessary, but keep the Midwest region to myself since I have some personal relationships there that I'd like to develop and kind of go from there. So I'm kind of... I think I'll be able to still do a little bit of both, but I, I think there's a lot of it that I could hand off. Yeah. Clay, do you have any thoughts on that, on kind of riding both sides of the line? Yeah, I, I think it's good. The fact that you are doing both and, and, and you're doing both sides just because uh, now you have a better understanding of like of how the processes should work and how things should be done. So that way, it doesn't matter like what side you delegate to you know how it's supposed to be done. That's a good point. And yeah. And so like, I, I think I think it doesn't matter what kind of business. I think it's uh, like, if for anybody who wants to grow their business, they need to delegate, right? But mm-hmm. I think they, they need to have an understanding of what that person does. And so I see a lot of cases that where someone might delegate a certain task, but they have no clue how it's being done or you know what i mean and so like right to me that that's a that's a couple of uh wrong i don't know i don't want to say wrong but a couple of um uh hiccups there were so like one is you don't know if it's super efficient right because you don't know how they do things and so you don't know if it's as efficient as it could be and two the other thing is is like what happens if that person goes away like could you pick it up and so I think it's just good to have a good understanding. So that, I think that's good that you're you're actually doing it. So that way, whenever you do delegate, you, you know what's going on. My question is: is uh, like, where's the bottleneck for you? Like, is it like, do you have the fear of just hiring a contractor, or you just can't find the right people? Like, what what's going on there? Well, right now in the midst of COVID, I have a plethora of people in the entertainment industry that I've worked with before that are out of work. So I can you pretty much pick up the phone and get my pick of whomever. Um, yeah. But I am asking them to work on a commission basis at this and point. And these are the artists, right? Um, no. These would be other sales agents, potentially. I have a roster right now of four artists, plus two shows that include some of those artists that I'm able to sell. And I've got you know half a dozen or more in the wings waiting to, to negotiate and sign on the roster. So I'll just have more product to sell. But um, we, one, of the, one of the main artists that I work with, um, Brian Owens, he was one of the first people who came to me and, and wanted me to start a business and work with him. He and I have developed a couple of 
they start out being virtual shows. Now I suppose they're actually real television shows. PBS in St. Louis is going to air them. That's where we're from. And they're hoping to take them to PBS National in the next year. So I'm working on oh, developing wow. those. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, we developed Homegrown Soul, which takes local St. Louis artists and gives them a chance to perform with um, Brian. And they kind of riff off of each other and give the background of their craft. And then we're developing another master series where Brian will, ma- will mentor some students to do some work in the style of music greats that have come before us. So um, we're hoping that those two shows take off. And if they do, my administration stuff is going to shift even more. But I already yeah. see that that's I see that that's out there. And so I'm trying to prepare. Well, I love that there's plenty of opportunity. You know, you might assume working in music and performing uh, that with COVID there, it would just all be shutting down or, or you'd have a lot of trouble finding business. But it sounds like people are getting really creative, um, including you. So I think that's exciting. I do, I do want to make yeah. sure. So let's, let's talk about then where you want to be in six to 12 months. You want to be more like a six. Tell us what a six might look like uh, in your business. Like, if, in, you know, what's, what's the ideal situation in 12 months in Shelly's business? In 12 months, I'd, I would like to have a little bit bigger artist roster, like probably to 12 or 15 artists. Because the more variety you have, the more people that come to you to want to buy things. And then I'd like to have a... I have one booking agent that I'm work, trying to get on now. I'd like to have two that would work on a commission basis. And then I'd like to get some... Um, I, I'm thinking college student interns that worked with me on a contract basis to help with social media creation that would help support mm. the artists and support the venues that book with us. That's that's what I'm thinking. I love so that. I just and I think I'm on the path to that. Yeah. I just I find myself getting hung up on oh, there's this shiny thing that just dropped in my lap. I need to deal with that now, and then everything else falls off the table while I deal with that. And then I come back and then everything's exploding. And then I end up having to do like, you know, an all-nighter to get yeah. everything back. Mm, yeah. So I'm, ha- I just having, I'm having trouble. And so many opportunities are coming my way, which is probably... I mean, it's not a complaint, but it's just I don't, I don't want to let any of it go because it can all tie together and complement each other. I just have to organize it and make it all work. Yeah. Okay, so in that pursuit, I, I love that line of thinking. I've heard you say a couple times that that point that you just have so many opportunities. I guess, where do you feel like we could help you for the next you know, 20, 25 minutes? Where could we help you? What, what are some roadblocks you, you foresee in, in moving from a three to a six and achieving this you know, 12 months from now ideal goal? How could Clay and I help you today on your, on our, on your coaching call? I find myself reinventing how I'm trying to find a way to keep all the details and everything organized with either a CRM or some or spreadsheet or something. And I find myself every week going, oh, this isn't going to work. And then having to start over. And I need to stop doing that and pick <laughs> pick a plan and stick with it. How did you like how did you identify the best way to organize everything so that it was all neat and automated and ready to go. Because I've heard you talk about that before, where automating processes and things can help. And I just, I'm, I'm at a loss as to find the right way to move forward with some kind of tool to make that happen. 
yeah, so I can take this one, Preston. <laughs> I got, I, I have. So oh, I know I, you can. Yeah, you're gonna rock <laughs> this one. <laughs> so I <clears throat> let me let me just tell you, I, I have the same personal experience, and so I was also one of those people um, <laughs> where. I tried one thing and I'm like, okay, this doesn't work. And then you spend a whole bunch of time switching everything over to a new tool. And like now you're trying to try two or three different tools at the same time. Like it's it's just a big mess. Yes, um, it's a mess. So I finally figured out what works for me. And I'm hoping it might work for you or for other people listening. And so here's what I would recommend. I would look at your business and just co- completely remove and just in your in your mind remove all of the tech and all of the tools just like don't even consider it and i want you to actually whiteboard out your process uh, from a business like internal business perspective and all the way from when someone like all the way from like prospecting to project management, to client onboarding, to to everything in your business from beginning to end. And I want you to whiteboard that entire process and what that looks like. Like so like for example, what does it look like when you onboard a new artist? Like what does it also look like when you onboard a new venue? Um and what are the exact steps that that happen in that in both of those processes? And then I like when you're looking at doing that, don't don't even think about tech. And so once you finish that out, then you can go and research the tech that you think. Uh, go research the tech that, uh, and you're going to have to do some trials and things like that. Um, but I would choose a piece of software or CRM or project project management software that will fit your process and flow. A lot of people do it backwards. They they see this shiny object, right? And they go, mm-hmm. oh man, this CRM looks really cool. And then they try to fit their business process to fit that piece of software. Even though that software doesn't have the features that, that are needed to fit your flow. So you need to do it backwards and say, okay, here's my flow. This is the, like in a perfect world. This is how my business needs to run super efficiently. And then choose the tech that will fit that flow. And so that's the way I've done it. Um, and I finally figured out what I am going to use that fits my business. And so I, I would suggest giving that a shot. And maybe Preston has a different um, suggestion here. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. 
You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. I I believe the same thing. I mean, you've got to figure out what your actual, and, and you probably know what your actual processes are already, but getting those down on right. paper or on a whiteboard or somewhere in a Google Doc, right? Just somewhere very basic. It's like step one. I call this person. Step two, I book this thing. Step three, they give me a, I don't know, a price. I don't know what your process is. Um, <laughs> right. But, but like, like granularly, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of work up front, but, but granularly mapping out even just your top five revenue generating tasks. And I think that's critical too, to look at revenue yeah, generating tasks because right. there are lots of tasks you do on a day-to-day basis. But really, if you focus on perfecting the ones that rev- generate more revenue, then you're going to end up you know, way further ahead. So, I, you know, you map those out individually and um, and then you look at maybe some tools you've used in the past or or shiny object syndrome. You look at new tools and you say, what's the what's the minimum viable option here, right? What has just the, just the basics that I need? And don't get caught up in like, will this work in 20 years or, or even will this work in six months? What will get you now, right now, moving smoothly so that you can get more things done while working less on the tool. Because I think what happens a lot of times with all of us is we we sign up for a new tool and then we spend half of our time using the tool or learning how to use the tool instead of just getting the things done that we need to get done. So honestly, if your system is Google Docs and, and some spreadsheets and some checklists, like great. The, the point is that you're getting things done. And then eventually mm-hmm. you can you can move up to you know more sophisticated yeah options i i i want to add something too um i a lot of people look at costs um of whatever the tool or the tech is and they look at that and they look at that like that's really high up on the list and i get it like i get like if you don't want to spend you know thousands of dollars on a piece of software but like i think as long as it's um because a lot of people will go with the least expensive thing um, and that's really, really high priority for people. But in reality, that that same software, like it, it's not a good fit. But if you were to pay thirty percent more than uh, for for a different piece of tech, then your business will actually be ten times more efficient. So I would I would say like whenever you're looking at costs, like just I, I I would suggest like don't look at costs whenever you're doing the research. Like do do whiteboard your flow. And then do the research on what is going to be best 
And then, and then at that point, look at cost and just make sure it's not astronomical. Um, because I think that's just a big roadblock for a lot of people. And, and I like what Preston said is like, look at the, look at the top five or whatever um, tasks that are going to be able to get done efficiently with, um, with, with the software. Because you're not going to... Let me just prepare you ahead of time mentally. You're not going to find anything that's completely perfect. You're just not. So I would, I would actually, whenever you're whiteboarding this out, like highlight the most important things on there that are like must-haves. And then you have other things on there that are like, okay, this would be good to have, but it's not a make or break thing. Um, because like one thing, one, one thing I think you need to have in your mind is don't let perfect get in the way of good. And so yep. like if you're trying to find right. the most perfect solution, it's going to get in the way and you're just not going to get anything done. So that, that, that's the only thing I'll have to add there. Like that, that was my process. And I went through, I, I don't know how many free trials and <laughs> I think probably 30 different ones that I've tried <laughs> before I finally landed on one. And then, like that, that process is what worked for me. So hopefully that'll work for you. Yeah, I, you're really just reaffirming kind of some of the steps I've already kind of taken in the last couple of days as a result of the um, recurring revenue challenge that we're doing. Because I kind of, when working on those projects, I kind of backed myself up and went, okay, how would I even do this? And those kinds of, before I make these levels of recurring revenue, like how would I even do these things? And so that process has kind of already begun in my brain. Mm. And you're right, the first, the, the the first thing I look at when I find a new tool is I look at it briefly and then go, okay, now how much does it cost? Before I even get attached to it, how much is it? And then move on from there. So, um, and maybe that's something I need to stop doing to find the perfect Yeah, tool. I, I would suggest to not let that be your immediate response um, because you'd be surprised on if that tool will cost... Again, if it costs you like 20%, 20 or 30% more... Um, but if you're 10 times more efficient, like just bottom line, that's going to make you more money. And a lot yeah. of people don't think that way. They, they look at it as, instead of looking at it as an investment, they look at it as a cost. And so I, I think just switching your mindset around that is, uh, is going to be key. And that's why I say if you focus on those revenue generating tasks first, then then mm-hmm. wouldn't it be cool if you could train your brain instead of saying how much is this going to cost me, you could train your brain to say how much is this going to make me, right? Like what's the opportunity cost here of, of not signing up for this piece of software? How much can I make additionally by signing up for this? We've started to ask that on our team because I have been very frugal in growing my business and we're very bootstrap um, and we historically haven't spent a ton of money on software. But over the last year, we've said, well, you know, this $200 a month piece of software feels kind of expensive. But uh, what what could we potentially make each month if we were using this piece of software correctly? And as long as that number is, you know, $201 or more, then we should say yes to it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That the the investment should be directly proportional to the potential gain, and as long as that's the case, make the investment, and the rest should should fall into place if everything sure. works right. Yeah. yeah, and it may right. take it may take some time, you know. Well, and it's so uncertain right now, especially in my industry, is what the future is going to be like. Because some of some of the venues and things that 
were potentials a year ago for this kind of business won't be going forward. Right. Because they will either fold or or scale back drastically. So yeah, hopefully it will all work out. Yeah. But again, you don't have to find a solution that works for the next five years. You just have to find a solution that no, works I right now. To, right. And then yeah. I can always regroup. Yep, you know, like exactly. every business, there is a slow time, you know, in the summer. So if I needed to regroup and reorganize, I could do it then. Mm. Yeah, I, I think... Um, so here, here's another like... Uh, I guess, uh, mental exercise. Uh, I think this is going to be really good for for you and and everyone else. And and this is this is a mental exercise I do for every single big decision I make in in my business. Is if you don't already have core values established for your business, then step one: establish core values. And so, like for me, for example. I have three core values, communication, growth, and culture. So what that means is, is like, okay, I, I want... Um, like I have certain things under each one of those, like communication. I, I want fast, efficient communication. Um, growth. like I, Every single thing I want to be doing is a step towards growing the company. And then culture is like, okay, does this des- decision... Um, does it, is it aligned with the culture that I want to have in my company? And so this goes... this. Like every big decision that I have needs to fit all three of those core values. If it does not fit all three, if it's only two out of the three, I don't do it. And so I do this with everything, hiring, um, making big changes in my business, even software purchases. So if a CRM is going to do all three of those things for me, if it's going to um, help grow my company, if it's going to uh, increase communication with my team, and then also, is it, it does it align with the company culture that I have, which is uh, a, a, we're, we're, uh, we do a lot of remote stuff. And so, yeah, um, then if, if it fits all three, then to me, that's a right decision. That's a, uh, dis, that tells me it's in the, in the right direction. So that might, that might help you um, mm-hmm. trying to make a decision on, on something like this. Yeah, that, I, I agree. Yeah, thank you. So Shelly, what's what's uh, what's resonating so far, and and where should we take the remainder of the conversation? You know, we have maybe a few minutes left here. I want to make sure we cover any other roadblocks that you can foresee over the next twelve months. Sounds like this software CRM organization issue was a, a big potential roadblock. Hopefully, we've helped you uh, be able to you know jump over that. Um, but what else? What else can we help you with? The other thing that that I'm kind of struggling with is that I am selling a product that venues don't know they need as far as the event marketing portion of it um, and how to go about convincing them that they do, I suppose. Um, a lot of venues that have for years just bought newspaper ads or you know put up posters or flyers or whatever that just say, here's the show, buy a ticket, and that's it. And my whole philosophy behind the social media marketing and how I broke out in my area was you tell the story. You don't just throw it out there and say, here, buy this if you want, or if you don't, then don't. But you tell the story behind the show about and give people a reason to be invested and to be associated with what you're trying to do. And then they will look to you, look to your advertisements for entertainment. And once they get invested in that, in your social media feed, 
where you're, you know, inadvertently giving them these advertisements for these shows that are coming up, they get invested and they keep coming back to you time and time again because you're giving them some underlying value besides just the advertising themselves. And a lot of other venues don't don't yet see the value in that. They don't, they don't want to, they might see the value, they don't want to put in the time or the money. Mm, okay, so so the real issue is convincing them that they need what you're selling. Am I hearing that right? I suppose, yes. That's how I'm differentiating myself from other agencies at sure. this point, is that I'm not giving you an artist and saying, figure it out. I'm going to help you figure it out. I'm going to help you find all the next steps. And maybe I'm just answering my own questions here. Well, so this reminds me, you know, Ira Glass, uh, podcast host of um, This This American American Life. Life, Yes, very famous podcaster, radio host. He got This American Life syndicated on all sorts of uh, local stations (laughs) or uh, like NPR kinds of stations by also offering free... um, uh, what do they call them? Like fundraising plugs that were that were interesting and actually worked. And so, like, so before before Ira, at least as the story goes, <laughs> before he did this, most of the fundraising, you know, you've heard if you listen to NPR or any sort of public radio, you've heard these spiels about fundraising where they just basically ask for your money and give you a telephone number. Well, yes. uh, Ira Glass and the This American Life team instead created these really interesting stories. Uh, or really funny spots, and they they saw a huge surge in donations at the stations that played these. So then the the stations started begging for them to come on. And the the you know the caveat was, well, if you'll take our show, then we'll also do your your fundraising spots. So it was kind of like this package deal. But but what they had that I'm I, you know I'm not 100 percent sure you have is the the stations obviously they saw the value in. The fundraising. I mean, obviously, that's their whole business model. So, mm-hmm. uh, I guess walk us through, like, when you say they see the value but aren't. What? Well, what did you say? They see the value but maybe aren't interested in doing it. Walk us see through. See the value, but they may not see. They may not want to put in the time or the money. Okay. To make it happen. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with social media marketing. Um, but in order to keep someone's attention and keep them looking at your Facebook feed, mm-hmm. you you have to be really consistent in what you post. You know, right. and we're talking, you know, at at the least once a day, preferably a couple times a day. And to develop that kind of content on a regular basis is it's a lot. It's a lot to do. But if I can give them a piece of that, like I can't do it for their whole season, but for the artist I represent, I can offer them. That is part of the deal. You buy the artist and we give you a social media campaign where you can just pull the posts that you like and put them in your feed and it's all done and ready to go. And then on top of that, then possibly sell them the chance, sell them a chance where we would take over a feed if they wanted. And that I would work with local students to provide that content and to provide that support because students are always going to have the most up-to-date, the most innovative ways to do it. Right. Okay, so uh, so Clay and I 100% understand social media marketing. I did that for for years at a desk job. Clay still does a ton of it. Um, and I guess I guess the real question then is like, you say they see the value in it, but but with the lack of understanding of social media, do they really see the value in it? Is that is that maybe the issue? Is that I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying. I guess maybe. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry to fumble here. I'm trying to get to like the real. The no, real heart of the I, issue. 
I mean, I had, I am not a marketing person. Okay. I don't have any research. I don't have any formal training in marketing. Everything that I learned, I learned online from different yeah. courses and things that I took because the the university marketing department that I worked with was trained and tasked with recruiting freshmen. They didn't care if my show sold. So I had I had to figure that out on my own. And I did. And I came up, I have all these numbers and facts and figures about what works and what doesn't and why. And because in order to get the university to do anything, you have to have all your I's dotted and T's crossed. And so now I'm trying to take all that 20 years worth of research and things that I've done and let other people benefit from that. And I don't want to just say, this is the right way, do it this way. But I also don't want to say, here's 20 years worth of research and, yeah, and throw so, it at them and totally overwhelm them. Does that? So let, let me, let me, okay. So I, th- I think I understand what you're saying. So like, so you, you, uh, you book these artists with venues, right? And so like that, that's one thing. That's one level. Another level is you, you might tell the venue, hey, we'll also like uh, help create social media campaigns for it, right? To help, to help book the place. Correct? Generate some buzz is that kind of the artist, right? Is that kind of the short, the short version of it? Yes, that's the, okay. that's the short version. Yes. So I, I think we're I think where uh, where a disconnect might be is I think that, I think there's two disconnects. One uh, one is these places don't they straight up don't want to do it. So you mentioned the fact that um, that you might create some of this content, but they gotta they gotta publish the stuff themselves. Correct. They would have to load it into their own scheduler. Yes. Yeah. But then so, everything would come ready to go. So from my experience, is that unless they have somebody on staff to like do that. Um, and, and I could be wrong, but this I'm just going from my my experience over the last six years, is that they're just not going to do it. Like, I think to me, in my opinion, it's either all or none type thing. Um, and I, I think being able to provide that service is the actual loading it into some kind of schedule software is a possibility if yeah. they don't have someone. It's just their level of comfort with granting us that much access. To I see. Yeah. yeah that, so would be, that, that would be the thing. That's the other. That's the other issue. I think. I think it's going. It might be a messaging issue. So, in my opinion, I think you should. <clears throat> you should not offer just. Hey, we'll give you the content, but you load it up. Um, I don't think that's. I. I don't think that's the the block. The 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 hurdle here. I think they 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 would want someone to just take it over and just do it. However, I think that the messaging and I. I don't. I haven't seen your pitch. Okay. But from what from what you're telling me, um, the way I would pitch it is, hey, we will book your venue full, yes, as much as we can, but we need access to your social accounts, and this is what we're gonna do. So I like I don't know if you're pitching it as in, hey, we'll load up your content on your and we'll queue it up. Like that doesn't mean anything to them. What what they what they what will resonate with them is. Will you book this venue? That's Got to it. me. That's what it is. That's spot like, on. In yeah. fact, I, I and I, I really, I'm really glad you brought that up, Clay, because I had the same thought. So when I worked in music, I worked in marketing, and we had a similar situation where uh, it wasn't so much with venues, but it was with stores taking our artists' albums, and it was like. Why should you sell this in your store? Well, because we're doing all this other marketing around it. People are going to flock to your store. That's what they cared about. 
they didn't care about like, do I have enough posts on Facebook or do I have enough going on on Instagram? They care about, do I have foot traffic coming in my store and buying things, particularly this album? And so we would spend all our time saying, if you'll buy this album, if you'll stock it in your store, we will do X, Y, Z. We'll do billboards, we'll do social, we'll do radio spots, we'll do all this stuff in your area so that people know where to go to get this album that they're going to want. So I think that's exactly right, Clay. You have to talk about it in their language like, mm-hmm. not yeah. we will handle your Facebook, but we will fill up your venue. And, yep. and then when they say, we'd love that, how does that happen? Then you say, well, all we need is some access to some of your social accounts and this and that, and we can just take care of it for you. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, th- I mean, so like everything in this world, every every single decision in this world that every single person makes is based off one thing, emotion. And so that's kind of the how you have to... And this is this goes for all marketing and even sales pitches. Um, and so like whenever you're making a pitch, um, by saying, hey, we're going to load up your queues with content, there's zero emotion there, in my opinion. But if you mm. say, if you say, hey, we're going to book up your venue, what does that mean? That means like, Oh, that means like dollars in the door. That means happiness. That's relief. You know what I mean? Um, that's like peace of mind um, that somebody's just going to do this for me. And so there's emotion tied to, to that type of messaging versus just saying, hey, I'm going to queue up your stuff with content. And so I think, I think you just need to change up your messaging, honestly. And I think you'll sell it. And then like yep. once you sell it, once you sell the idea of, hey, we're going we're gonna to increase... Um, the amount of people that come into your venue, then you just once you once you sign the agreement and whatnot, then you talk about okay, now I need access. I wouldn't talk about the access stuff really until uh, un- unless they ask. If they ask, then you, you answer. Ask, them. Yeah, yeah, and, and don't lie to them. Like you just tell them, hey, yeah, we're going to need access. But like I wouldn't voluntarily bring that up unless you're asked um, during the sales pitch because to me that's irrelevant. Okay, so I just need to tweak the messaging. It's, it's opinion, all about yeah. it's, it's all about uh, it's all about focusing on the value that they're searching for. Like you're not wrong when you say when you talk about the algorithm. You're not wrong. You're not wrong when you talk about storytelling versus just listing a concert and telling people to buy tickets. You're right about all right. of that. But they don't care about that. They care about filling up that venue, right? So, yeah, it's it's all about looking at it from their point of view. And then using that messaging, right. using wording they would use to then talk about your offering. Okay. Yeah. 100%. I see what you're saying. I can do mm-hmm. that. Cool. Well, I mean, we're excited to hear very, how that goes. Very... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will certainly report back. You've given, me a, you've given me a lot to think about. I'm sorry. I hope I didn't uh, lead you, you down know, too many rabbit holes. No, I, I think no. this is good. I, I, I think an idea, and I don't know if you, if you could do this, like I love the idea of getting your clients to sell for you. And so here's what I mean by that is if you can, if you can pick a client that would be strategic for you and you actually just do this for them and not charge them, right? Um, and then you fill up the room. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if those people like... It, how big their their network is with other venues. But yes, I have 
I have had that thought. It's just a matter yeah. of yeah. when I'm when I'm ready yeah. to do that. Like when I have the product ready to try it out on somebody. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I know I how to do it as the venue, trying to sell the artist to the community. And now I'm I'm doing that, but for someone else. Yeah, and that that's why I say like do it for free because like this is a new thing, right? Um, almost like a beta program. And so do it for free. But like you you, you set that expectation up in the front is like, hey, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna fill your room, but whenever I do, I want your endorsement and tell all, all of your other friends and venues, like who own venues, about what I just did for you. Yeah, I mean, worst case okay. scenario, you have an excellent case study, right? Like you, all it would take is doing two of those. You walk into a venue that's never heard of you, and you say the last, the last two or these two venues, we filled up, you know, ninety percent capacity or whatever. Yeah. And, all, and and these venues that fill up sixty-two percent, their eyes are just like wide, and they're hungry and salivating for whatever you're offering. So I think it could give you right. some nice yeah. marketing material and a nice, nice addition to your pitch. I think that's a great suggestion, Clay. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I've certainly done that myself as, as Shelly, but I've not right. done it as Hurley Creative. So let's do yeah. it under that brand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know what? Like you could you could fake that a little bit in the beginning too, I, I would say. You, you can take the work that you did as Shelly uh, and, and say, here's what I've done in the past. You know, and it's not being dishonest. You're just, it's a brand name change or whatever. You've done Correct. the real work. You've made it happen. So... I think you could, you know, brag on yourself right. a little bit more maybe when you're pitching some of these venues. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a lot different pitch. If you like just, so scenario A, hey, uh, venue, venue owner, um, I will do a certain number of posts and I'll queue it up in your, in your social media versus scenario B, hey, I will fill up the room and this is what I did for these other two venues and I packed the room. I bet you want that, don't you? That's right. two two totally different scenarios. You're doing the same thing, just a different well, and pitch. And it's not only about packing the room, but building a building a community of patrons that are going to keep coming back because they mm, like the yeah. message that you're sending. Yeah, that you're offering them. Yep, offering them entertainment education, even when they're not buying a ticket, so that they do buy a ticket, so you can keep doing that. Yeah, That's perfect kind of thing. So yeah, okay. I think you just really drill home on, on least, what they want. So. And put that into your messaging, and not you know not to kick a dead horse. I think I think we've covered this from a lot of different angles, but um, but yeah, I think I think you can definitely do that, and you'll see a nice uptick. Great, thank you so much, guys. Okay, Shelly. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you more today. We're actually going to see you a little bit later today on our call for our yeah, challenge. For sure. So look yep, forward to I'll chatting be there, some more. So thanks again, for, guys. Talk to you yeah. soon. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for joining Bye. us. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of The Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at freelancetofounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time. See ya.